Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in today's episode. What's this? What's this? The simply sensational standing ovation of Royal Dalton Music What is this? Welcome back to Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a retrospective. Uh, today is part seven of To Be Determined. <laughs> uh, and joining me again is Meg. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. Hungry. Hungry? Yeah. 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 Me too. <sighs> Always. Always. <laughs> uh, last week, we did a long talk about Avengers Infinity War. It's the only movie we talked about in part six. Which is reasonable. Yeah, thanks. It's important. Yeah, kind of a big deal. Yeah, our podcast is like Infinity War. The Infinity Retrospective. 85 million parts. Yes. Never ending. We're going to do seven parts just on Ant-Man and the Wasp. Please no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, today... We are going to try to do Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel. Neither of these is anywhere near the size of Infinity War, so I think we can get through both of them in the span of one episode. I think we can do it. But we'll see. Maybe maybe we're wrong. Maybe we actually have a lot to say about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Do we? Do you? I don't think so. I guess I have the same amount of notes I, for that as I do for <laughs> everything else, in theory. So. No reason this couldn't be two hours on Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes. For Infinity War, I had one, two, three, four, five, six bullet points. Mm -hmm. For this, I have four. Well, so two-thirds the length. Endgame, I have like two pages of notes worth. (laughs) Great. Exciting. Yeah. We'll get there. Well, yeah. Okay. Ant-Man and the Wasp. You liked the first Ant-Man. I did, yeah, yes. I did too. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one that, I, again, like, I want to say, were you looking forward to the second Ant-Man movie? But I can't really say that because that's not how we watched them. No, yeah, because in the hodgepodge of movies that yeah. we watched, we watched them in the cinematic universe's chronological order not in the chronological order that they came out right so really this movie was before we watched it before infinity war yes save for the end of the movie which Mm -hmm. was cut in afterwards right so so i guess then since you saw it for the first time before infinity war at least 99 percent of it um How did that, and like, I I don't have that experience, so how did that, you know, did that work for you? I think Uh, it's hard to say because I, that's the only experience I have with it. Right. But I feel like it probably would make more sense to go 
to have been released beforehand, mm-hmm. save for the last part of it. Because I guess it was basically happening... Concurrently. Concurrently with it. Right. Sort of. Though, it kind of seems weird to me, having watched it the way we did, that this came out after Infinity War. Right. It's almost like they're like, oh, we forgot about these characters. I guess you need to know what happened with them. And I mean, some of it is setting up for some of the things that take place in Endgame. Right. So that part of it makes sense. But I don't know. I don't know that this is the best order of things, in theory. It's tricky. You know, we we have that end of Ant-Man and the Wasp that is directly tied to the very end of Infinity War with the snap. Right. But, and I guess, you know, the, the answer... I mean, I'm kind of answering this question myself in my head, but let's say you don't have that end credit scene in Ant-Man and the Wasp, and you just tack that up to the end of Infinity War instead, where it belongs. Right. Um, you know, I think the main issue, I mean, as much as that works from a you know, plot standpoint, from a time standpoint, it does feel like it would be kind of uh, weak as an ending in Infinity War. Yeah, because the characters in this movie aren't involved in any way in anything that's happening in Infinity War. Right. So it would almost be like either they would have to incorporate the plot of Ant-Man, at least the sort of time travel aspect of the plot, into Infinity War somehow, if they want that to tie into Endgame. But otherwise, it's just... You get Infinity War, and then you get the characters from Ant-Man. They just appear at the end when the snap happens, which doesn't make sense either. Yeah. And if you have Ant-Man and Evangeline Lilly over fighting with everybody else in Wakanda or doing something else, then they can't really be doing what they're doing in this movie. Well, I guess to the point of, you know, if Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out first Mm -hmm. you get that whole movie and you just you lose the tacked on end credit sequence and so what you do is you move that into infinity war and i mean other other movies in the marvel cinematic universe have done similar things where this is a doctor strange movie and then the end credit scene is like captain america doing something right sort of tying into something whatever yeah yeah the way that works though in my opinion is that it allows you know Doctor Strange the movie is contained right. and this is showing you a glimpse of outside of that right whereas even though Ant-Man's not in Infinity War I think the underlying impression is that Infinity War is encompassing everything right and so if you leave that movie at the very end to go visit Ant-Man it kind of steals away the feeling, the momentum, whatever, what's been built up. Right. You bit. can't have Ant-Man going off and doing what he's doing in this movie in the middle of Infinity War. No. Like, he would have to be involved somehow in what's happening yeah, it's, with the rest of it. They were in a tough spot. Yeah. Because, I mean, because, you know, like, Ant-Man and the Wasps, they'd announced it years before. Like, they already knew this was coming. Uh, I So, it's, you know, it's... There wasn't a great solution for it. For, for like other, once you've decided we're gonna make the Ant Man and Wasp movie, 
and it's going to have this plot and it's going to tie into Infinity War in this way, they kind of lost any possibility of it either happening before Infinity War without having the, you know, like figuring out how to make it work chronologically. Right. Because um, the plot of this, I would say, belongs in between Infinity War and Endgame, save for the end of the movie. Before Infinity War? After? Did I say before? You said between. Right. So after Infinity War, before Endgame. But but the plot takes place before Infinity War. Right. I don't know. I, I think I they... I guess what they're doing, what they are trying to accomplish, fits into Endgame. So in that, I guess, theory... Having it closer to end game makes sense. I feel like they wrote themselves into a corner because as w- when we actually get into what actually happens in Ant Man and the Wasp, um, I feel like that that plot in and of itself has no bearing on Infinity War or End Game whatsoever. It's I mean, the really plot the like itself. end of it that matters. Everything that involves ghosts. Shrug. Well, that part. I meant more of the scientific, the trying to retrieve Michelle Pfeiffer portion of the timeline. Right. Which is a relatively small percentage of the movie. I actually forgot that the ghost storyline existed till you just said something. <laughs> the only part I remember is the. I felt like the main part of the movie was trying to get Michelle Pfeiffer. But I guess it was this other thing also. I feel, yeah, I feel like, like for me, I think ghost was the, the dominant storyline and then grab getting michelle pfeiffer back was like secondary yeah whether they meant that or not to me it was the other way around fair because and maybe they did mean it that way yeah the ghost storyline is irrelevant to anything it is it just is there which is frustrating right it drags the movie down yeah like Um, i don't know if they didn't have enough to flesh out more of the michelle pfeiffer storyline even if they made if they figured out some way to figure out to show like when michelle pfeiffer and michael douglas were Ant-Man and the Wasp themselves, if they somehow did flashbacks or something, I feel like that would have been more productive, I guess, than the ghost storyline. Maybe you could have sort of structured the film as a Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly in the current timeline working with Michael Douglas to try to get Michelle Pfeiffer back and showing them as Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I guess they still need some sort of conflict in that sequence Something has to be working against them. Yeah. Um, unless the thing that's working against them is their inability to get the technology yeah, to work. Yeah. And it, like, malfunctions. And Time is working against ways. them, basically. Yeah. Uh, Which... And then you could simultaneously run the past of Michael Douglas and yeah. um, Michelle Pfeiffer doing their Ant-Man and the Wasp thing and, like, kind of have parallels there. Right. Especially when you see, when we get to Endgame, you see some of the flashbacks and backstories from the other characters and that mm-hmm. that almost would have made more sense thematically right this ghost thing is kind of useless yeah so the story mm-hmm. the story um when we left ant-man last uh he was in civil war yes <laughs> uh and now really hyped to be meeting everybody else super excited about it yeah. um but now he's returned yes. back to his life. Now, again, I have a question. Oh? 
So they invited him to come hang out for Civil War. Yes. But they don't ask for his help to fight Thanos. Well, I can't explain it, but <laughs> I, I can't give you, like, the real reason why that wouldn't have happened. But here's my my instinctual response. Um, Civil War, and, and specifically the fight at the airport, was pretty planned. Like, everyone who ended up at the fight knew it was coming, knew it was going to happen, was ready to, like... All right, we're going to stop the Winter Soldier or we're going to help the Winter Soldier get out or whatever. Whereas Infinity War, like the conflict doesn't happen until Hulk is blasted into New York. Yes. Which is the very start of that movie. And the only person that goes to like call anybody for help is Strange going to grab Tony that we see. Right. So. But everybody else shows up in Wakanda. Yeah, but. You know, I think, like, Captain America's been on the lamb for so long. I guess their uh, phone call chain chart didn't include him. Didn't get to that point. Yeah, and, and, and like, Ant-Man wasn't involved with, like, the final confrontation between Tony and Captain America. I think he was, like, in that weird water prison area at the end of Civil War. With, like, Falcon was in there, and, like, mm-hmm. Tony let them all free at the end. Um... I don't know. I, I feel like he was. I feel like they were kind of t- caught off guard more in Infinity War than they were in Civil War, and therefore that may or may not be why he wasn't reached out to. I mean, why would Tony reach out to him? He fought against him. Doctor Strange doesn't know who he is, or at least never interacted with him. Um, huh? I don't know. I'm, Seems illogical. Yeah. But and then then he wouldn't have his own movie. I guess his but, own movie mm. that he didn't really need that badly. <laughs> yes. Plus, they could have then they could have had Tiny Ant Man and Tiny Wasp like mm. flying into Thanos's like ear or no, up his nose or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like when Peter Quill is fucking around and screwing <laughs> everything up, like maybe these two could have done something useful. No. No. Well, they could have been more useful than he was. I guess. Yes, they could have. <laughs> I um. could have been more useful than he was. <laughs> Uh, so, um, I remember the, one of the opening moments in Am and the Wasp is, it's been a couple of years, and he hasn't really been in contact with Michael Douglas and Evangeline Lilly, with Hank and, um, with Hank Pym and Hope Van Dyne, as their characters are actually called, because they're like, you went over to the Europe place and did a giant and uh, <laughs> fought everybody and you revealed the technology to the world and that's exactly what we didn't want you to do and we're upset with you. I remember there's that opening conflict between everybody about that and uh, the fact that they needed Scott's help to do anything was like, fine. <sighs> if we need him, I guess... I mean, Paul Rudd's pretty sassy. I don't know if he'd be the first person I would call if I needed help with something. No. But when what you need help with involves going subatomic, he's the only person that's done it and come back. Right. At this point. Yes. Yes. And as the film kind of progresses, he has this interesting connection that he shares with Michelle Pfeiffer, having been there, and she kind of... Uh, they're I'm just now remembering the scenes that 
have um, him acting as though he is Michelle Pfeiffer's character. Do you remember? What do you think I remember? I don't, but I don't know <laughs> if it was one of your bullet points. Uh, no. Uh, specifically, there's a scene in the laboratory where Paul Rudd, as Michelle Pfeiffer's character, is helping Michael Douglas solve the problem of the technology. Oh, I kind of remember, remember now. Yeah. yeah, she somehow was able to kind of get into his head. She, Yeah, she like possesses Paul Rudd's body in yeah. a sense, uh, which is fun. Yeah. Paul Rudd has a good time with that. Yeah, that part was good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, they want to get her back. Now that he's come back, maybe they can find her mom, uh, eventually Lily's mom. Yeah, that's kind of the thing, is they thought she was just lost and stuck forever. Right. But then Paul Rudd's like, oh, no, we could, we could figure it out, maybe. She's yep. stuck in there somehow. Yep, she's been there for about 30 years. Yeah. It's quite a while. Yeah. What great. do you eat down there? I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, the quantum, yeah. It doesn't sound like they have food. She looked like she's pretty much in shape. Must be eating something. I guess, yeah. Yeah. She's, uh... Yeah, they kind of just hand wave that away. But <laughs> I, I think what actually they try to say is, like, time moves differently. And so, yeah, because I think isn't he gone for... He feels like he's only been gone for, like, not Right, when he wakes long. up in Endgame, what, five years have passed? Yeah, he's been gone five years, and he feels like he's been gone, like, 20 minutes or something like that. Right, yeah. so... Maybe she just hasn't gotten hungry yet. So if, if it's, even she's if it's like a minute since, a year. Yeah. She's been gone since like breakfast and it's like getting to be lunchtime. She yeah. has to be starting to get yes. hungry. Yes. Uh, so they um, they need some parts. And this is where Walton Goggins' character enters the movie. Goggins. Goggins. I like Walton Goggins. Do you like Walton Goggins? He was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Eventually, Lily gets to put on the wasp suit and confront him yeah. and do a fight. We finally, she actually gets to be an actual thing. Yes. Which is exciting. Since she seemed to be more capable of being a thing than Paul Rudd was. Oh, yeah. Last movie, yeah. She's very good. Yeah. I like her a lot when yeah. she's wasp. Yes. I approve. <laughs> um, but, of course, you know, things go sideways. And uh, when, when Ant-Man comes in to help... They start to gain the upper hand until a third party enters the scene. Dun, dun, dun. The aforementioned ghost. Ghost thing. Ghost. Invisible person. Kind of. Sort of. Yes. Um, I like... Maybe I don't. <laughs> uh, I guess I was going to say, like, I like the idea of what ghost's character is if that makes sense so so ghost or her character is named ava is her father used to work with michael douglas mm -hmm. they um you know experiments gone wrong kind of a situation which ultimately leads to her current condition where she's you know, she reminds you of, like, static on the TV. A little bit. Yeah. She's kind of, like, phasing in and out and... Yeah. Uh, can't can't really control her abilities. No. Um, which is, you know, uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne is, like, sort of trying to help her control her abilities, but he's not metahuman at all, so I don't know what he's really able to bring to the table. 
other right. than technical knowledge, which doesn't feel super helpful. <laughs> right. He's more like a caretaker, I guess. Yeah. But I, I like... I think if... And I think the movie was trying to do this. I think if the her affliction was directly tied to the process required to bring Michelle Pfeiffer back mm -hmm. and could have been integrated in that way, I think that could have been interesting and given her a way to be actually important. Yes. But it's not really. She's just like, you were friends with my dad and then you guys were doing experiments and now I'm like this and I'm upset with you and I want to make you not do your thing yeah. so I can do my thing and fix myself. Yeah. You've abandoned me, and now you need to fix me. Pay attention to me. Yeah. And, of course, you know. Which is not unreasonable, but Right. Still. You know, I think... Like, they when... only have, like, a couple hours to get Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, maybe just hold on a second. She's dying. Well, yeah. <laughs> is she dying any faster, though, than two hours from now? Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. But I guess, point being, I think there's <laughs> potential with this character. And I just think they missed out on a couple of couple of key opportunities to really give her the connection to the rest of the story that she could have used. Perhaps. Perhaps. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's such a bleh yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't... I didn't care about this at all. What, what, didn't care about her. Didn't care about anything that was happening. What's another one of your bullet points down there? Um, it just felt really similar to the first one. In what ways? Uh, I was kind of, I don't know. I didn't really feel like this one progressed much of anything. Other than the couple things it needed to. For Endgame. With the Endgame Infinity War stuff. Like the entire rest of the plot line was. Un it just, it didn't, you didn't need it for anything. It didn't do anything. Would you say. And I, most, I mostly agree. I think yeah. like Ant-Man, Paul Rudd feels like the same person at the beginning and end of this movie. Yeah. Like, the first one was fun. The first one was at least, like, different and new. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one doesn't really have that. It introduces, like, you know, Evangeline Lilly now gets to be a superhero. Which, which is, is great. cool. Yeah. Um, it shows a little bit more, I guess, of the, uh, what is it, the quantum realm that you can end up in. And, I mean, other than that, it, I don't know, that really does anything else. Yeah. Like, Lewis and the other henchmen, they're they have... not any more important in this one than they were in the first one. Yeah, and, like, their primary thing is, like, they're trying to set up their legit business now, mm -hmm. which is fine. Yeah. Uh, they interact with Walton Goggins. There's the truth serum. The truth I like the part with the truth serum. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, it, it works great with Lewis. Yeah. He, he does a really good job as that. They need more of him. He needs to be more like a happy, where, like, he sort of starts to get... He gets to do something eventually. And I, I, I think the problem is that you have uh, Damien Dismalchian and T.I. so connected to his character that if you elevate his role, you have to elevate theirs as well. Yeah. Which sucks. Like, I wish... I don't dislike those two characters, but... Yeah. They're not really needed for anything. No. You can leave them aside. Yeah. Just give us Lewis. Just give us the word. That would be fine. Yes. Um. What about? 
I think, so one of the places where I thought this movie was trying to do a little more, trying to do a little extra, trying to innovate a little bit, were some of the action sequences. You've got, like, the car shrinking down, mm-hmm. blowing up. You have the suitcase. Like, they do a lot of, like, growing big, growing small stuff. The suitcase that turns into a giant building. Yeah. Things like that. Um, I like, I liked that the movie was trying to make that, insanity like the thing that was like insane in the first movie of like shrinking down and being that tiny was is kind of a revelation in the first movie and now it's like oh i can just do it i can just do this i can do that i can do that i like that and i don't like it it trivializes the thing that was so important in the first movie right but at the same time like okay well we already saw it so we need more than that so what we already saw is you know I don't even know you need more than that. You just need it to be important when he does it. Well, I guess, like, if all he does is shrink and fly around on an ant in this movie, it's just the same thing he did in the first movie. And do any of the other, like, characters get any better powers, really? Captain America doesn't really do anything different. Black Widow doesn't do anything different. Well, but I guess... Thor gets his upgraded <laughs> hammer, I guess. I, I guess Iron I would Man say... makes new suits. In the first, like the first Captain America, he's in World War One, two, one, mm, two. one of the World Wars. I think the second movie, mm. he's in present day. Right. So he has to contend with a diff- completely different arsenal of weapons at this point, and so on and so forth. Uh, and then the third, like Captain America movie, he's got to contend with the other Avengers. Like so, like the circumstances change significantly. The each circumstances, time. but he, his powers don't. Like Ant-Man well, but he he taken... learns to like use them differently. He learns to adapt with the shield better, and like well, Ant-Man could have done that with the quantum realm. What? Do you... But he doesn't. I'm... He doesn't. But I'm saying like he doesn't necessarily have to be like I'm big, I'm small, I make this big, I make this small. Like that didn't have to be a thing. You could have figured out something else to do with like the quantum realm stuff as like a different atmosphere that he's in, kind of like Captain America. I guess I just. I guess I would say that that's not what, given what we know about the quantum realm, time moves insanely slow or slow. And like, there's nothing to really interact with unless you make the movie in the quantum realm or half in the quantum realm, which like they could have made that more of a thing is what I'm saying. I guess maybe, but then you don't, but I guess, like, if he's in there the whole time, then there's no abilities. Like, the movie is the ability, almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, but at the same time, like, now he's just Alice in Wonderland. A little. Like, I took this and I'm big, I took this and I'm small. Like, I think that, I wish they would have, like, used the ants more. I think there's a lot of ways they could use the ants to be interesting. Yeah, they weren't there really that many. That part wasn't really in this much at all, was it? No. Because, like, they spend a lot of time in the first one. Like, there's, yeah. like, 75 different species of ant, and they all yeah. have their powers. Like, that's one of those things. He can control all these bugs. Yeah. Not really that present in this one. Yeah. Some lacking. Yeah. But I think what saves it is I didn't dislike that movie that much. I think because of Evangeline Lilly and Paul Rudd. And even Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas. What about... And I feel like this is another part that the movie kind of slacks on is Paul Rudd's family, his daughter. Yeah. Um, his relationship with his ex-wife and Bobby Cannavale and everybody. That was another big thing in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And 
between these two movies, he went off to Sokovia, whatever, and got placed under house arrest because of it, which I'm sure aggravated and the tensions that he had already. But I, again, I don't feel like they spend a ton of time on that relationship. No. I think that by having the ghost storyline, they took away a lot of other things I could have been doing. Yeah. That would have probably been more interesting, more useful, have more character development. Mm-hmm. Could have been a lot better things to look at. And, you know, jumping ahead to, like, when he comes back in Endgame and he visits his daughter, like, that's still a very touching moment. Mm-hmm. But man, how much more touching would it have been if there was more character development between those two in this movie? Right. Because even the last one, there was a lot of, like, how much he cares about his daughter. Mm-hmm. And even, not necessarily he was friends with his ex-wife, but kind of. They were so. they were progressing. Right. There was improvements being made. And the same with her new husband. Yeah. So. But. <sighs> yeah. Uh, did you like the actor that played Ghost? Hannah John Kamen? No, not particularly. No? No. Okay. I don't like anything about any of that. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing? (laughs) No. Uh, how about Randall Park as the parole officer? Do you remember him in the movie? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah? Yeah. I liked him. He was fine? Yeah, he was good. He's nice. I approve of him. That was fine. He, He was kind of in that always, uh... I, I don't know, he's probably in the movie like three or four times, and every time it's pretty much the same sequence of events. He's like, I got you now, like cheating your parole, and then something ridiculous happens that he can't explain, <laughs> and then... Paul Rudd's like, I've been here the whole time. I've been here the whole time. About? What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. He was fun. Like the parts of, like the stupid little things like that are like what I like about the Ant-Man movies. Yeah. Lawrence Fishburne? He, he was fine. Not super important. No. But. He and uh, Paul Rudd have that size measuring contest at that one scene where they're talking about the growing element and Lawrence Fisherman's like, 15 feet is my record. And Paul Rudd's like, 75 feet or whatever he says. <laughs> Angelina Lilla just like rolls her eyes at both of them. Right. I also like that your screensaver popped up Scarlett Johansson. It's like it knows. Yes, get rid of this movie, move on to the next one. Yes, she's not in the next one. She's not, but... <laughs> get back to Scarlett two movies, Johansson. Two movies from now. She'll she's be in. back eventually. Uh, yeah, I don't... I don't know. Like, I'm kind of like you. Like, I didn't hate this movie. I think there are definitely worse Marvel movies. We've already talked about some. Yeah. I like Paul Rudd a lot, so... Paul Rudd himself... Mm-hmm. Just being in the movie yep. kind of makes it at least decent. Um, when they do get Michelle Pfeiffer back. Mm-hmm. Do you like Michelle Pfeiffer? I did like Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was nice. If there's a third Ant-Man movie, which I don't know whether or not there will be, what... I mean, I guess it has to have those core four people in it, right? I would think so. Paul yeah. Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Douglas. Um, I would be, I would enjoy, um, um, uh, you know, giving, you know, getting Michelle Pfeiffer in an expanded role. I think she has potential within this franchise. 
Right. I don't know if it's something where they could have it where Evangeline Lilly and Paul Rudd are off, like, doing the things, and those two are sort of, like... Radioing in yeah, to like, them, kind of. Yeah. Maybe. The two of them and Lewis in a spy van telling them what to do. <laughs> yeah. I would watch Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas interact with Lewis for, like, an extended period of time. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, like, my worry is we have Evangeline Lilly and Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas as the main three characters. Then you still have Lewis. <laughs> and then you have Judy Greer and... Paul Rudd's daughter and her new husband. And you have T.I. and Damien Desmalchian. Like, those two don't really need to do anything. But I guess, like, the movies... Most of them don't really need to do a lot. The movies have gone out of their way to make sure at least that group of characters are still prominent. Right. And now you're going to add Michelle Pfeiffer to that, plus a villain of some sort... It it's, could be. It's going to be a lot. Yeah. It could be interesting if his daughter somehow gets more integrated yes, into things. That would be nice. Causes conflict between. She's the villain. I don't want her to be the <laughs> villain, no. I'm saying it would cause more conflict between, like, Paul Rudd and Judy Greer and. Uh, what's it? Who? The guy from Something About Raymond. That's not where he's from. <laughs> Bobby Cannavale? Yes, Bobby Cannavale. Is he yeah. from? I think so. Wasn't he Raymond's brother? No, 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 no. You're thinking of oh yeah, I think the other guy with the bad voice. The bad voice. So mean. Why can't I think of his name though? I don't know what you're. You're looking. I'm looking it up. Yeah. Brad Garrett. Yeah, no, I don't like him. I like Bobby Cannavale much better. Brad Garrett's fun. Is he? He was in Finding Nemo. Have you seen Finding Nemo? Yeah, I've seen Finding Nemo. <laughs> you, you say that like I should know. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, I've seen most of the... I've seen... I've seen, like, stuff like that. I've seen the important things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Um, so, Anime and the Wasp came out July 4th weekend, 2018. Uh, around my birthday. Yep. Uh, so, about a month and a half after Infinity War came out, it was a very tight window. Yeah. Like, this is a good or summer no, two movie. And a, two and a half months, sorry. Yeah. Two and a half. Good summer movie. Kind of useless. Don't have to pay much attention to it. I, th- I feel like that's too close, though. I feel like like this I feel like this had to have been a letdown. I bet it was. Yeah. I mean, financially, um, do you, do you definitely. Do you remember, like, seeing Infinity War and then seeing this? I do. I saw it, uh... I saw it opening weekend, I remember. I think what... I feel, though, you know, knowing that you need to set up the one scene that sparks Ant-Man's inclusion in Endgame. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot about, like, discussing the end of the movie. You know, knowing that you have to get to that point somehow. And, you know, presumably, you know, Marvel knew, okay, Infinity War, it's going to be huge. Right, But they also knew that Ant-Man and the Wasp was the next movie on the slate. And I think they just kind of... I have this I have this thought that financially successful or not, and, and Ant-Man and the Wasp was still financially successful, despite how big of a drop-off it was. Right, like it still, still made a good amount of money. Yeah, like the budget was like half of what Infinity Wars was and so on and so forth. 
but they're kind of forced into it at this point. You know, I would even if it wasn't a financial success, if Ant-Man needed to be in its own in his own movie to further the greater plot of the MCU, I don't doubt that they would still make another Ant-Man movie. Right. Even if they knew it was going to lose them money because without it you can't really have whatever the next Avengers movie yeah. is for whatever reason. Yeah. If it's setting up stuff for the story and the huge movie that's going to be happening, then right. you can sort of bite the bullet a little bit. Yeah. If this movie didn't come out and we still got whatever happened in Endgame and you just like tack on like one scene up in front of uh, Ant-Man, like I guess like it explains it. But if Michelle Pfeiffer's there, what? Like. Right. Where'd she go? I thought she was stuck like, over there. You can't, you can't just from? like hand wave all that stuff, yeah. especially when you made it so important and, and relevant in the first Ant-Man movie. Right. Um, it's they... not like, it's not the same thing as say like showing up on in Thor Ragnarok and Hulk has been, you know, living here for two years and whatnot. Right. It's a little different because, you know, we get that backstory. We get, we Yeah, we know that he what flew off into and, space and it's like, yeah. oh, okay, this is where I ended up. Right. Yeah. You so, can really do that with, like, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer's been stuck in this place for forever, and then also, like, oh, she came back! Yeah, we got her back. Don't worry about how we did it. She's here now. Just accept it. Okay. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, no, but, I mean, I guess I wasn't hyped for Ant-Man and the Wasp. No. It's not a... I wasn't hyped for the first one, but I did like the first one. Uh, and this one I definitely wasn't excited for. Outside of Evangeline Lilly as Wasp. Right. And I think that was my favorite aspect of it. Yeah. I and, like that a lot. Yeah. You know, if there's going to be a third one, more Wasp. Yeah. That's fine. If it's like just it. the Wasp, I'm in. Where did Paul Rudd go? He's like tertiary character. <laughs> You're a tertiary character. What, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So, is that it? Do you have anything else you want to say about Ant-Man and the Wasp? We didn't talk about the scene well, at all. <laughs> the only thing that's integral to the main two big movies, we're just going to ignore that part. So, end of the movie. End of the movie. They have gotten Michelle Pfeiffer back. Mm-hmm. They're sort of tinkering around with the quantum realm stuff. Yep. Trying to experiment more about getting there and getting back and all the other things they can do. So they're like... Paul Rudd will send him back off into the quantum realm. Sure. Will we do some do some experimenting, tinker around. Read your vitals. Yeah. So he's wandering about in the quantum realm. Everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, off in Wakanda, we get the finger snap. Mm-hmm. And everybody else but him disappears. Yeah. Three out of the four people in that scene. Yeah. Again, the 50-50 split's not really going great with <laughs> They're very the unlucky. people that are not in Wakanda. Like, what are the odds? Yeah. Like, half of them... All the people basically with Tony Stark almost disappear. There was, like, seven of them. Yeah. And now, like, Paul Rudd, off in the Quantum Realm, is fine. Everybody else that he was with. Because it was all three of them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were just, like, hanging out with the controls, talking to him. Like, oh, what are you doing over there? Mm-hmm. All dust. Paul Rudd is stuck in no man's land. Hope he ate before he went. I mean, at least he's only there for, what, like half an hour? (laughs) I guess that's like 20 minutes, yeah. Yeah, it's not not like he's 
stranded forever. Yeah, it wasn't but, 30 years. Only five. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I guess it's scary. Yeah, it's probably not great when you're like, oh, all right, I'm going to go here. You guys are going to bring me back. And then it's like, okay, and you're talking to people, and then they're like, <laughs> we ditched you. Because, yeah, you don't know what happened. It's yeah, just all of a sudden you're just like, you were talking to everybody, and now they're not answering you. Yeah. And yeah. now you're stuck there. Forever. Yeah. Not fun. Not a good time. Guess you don't have to worry about being under house arrest, though. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I wonder if anybody else, like, did oh. Randall Park get? Yeah, dusted? I was gonna say. Did, <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he got dusted or if he just showed up at his house. He's like, he's finally not here. I have won. <laughs> but then, if you don't find him, yeah. Then if know, he got happened? dusted, then or you think he got dusted, then you're like, well, oh, now what? Okay. But if you survive the dusting, I think you have a lot more issues, <laughs> much bigger problems to worry about Yeah, than just whether or not Paul Rudd is in his house. I don't know. He was working on him for a while. He, it was his white whale. Yeah. <laughs> Which is silly. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's silly. Is that it? I think that's it. Paul Rudd lost in the quantum realm. Yeah, we end the movie with uh, the OG Wasp, the OG Ant-Man, new Wasp, all gone, poofed, and Paul Rudd's stuck in the quantum realm. The end. Correct. Period. Period. Okay. Yeah, there's quite a big uh, gap also between this and, I feel like time-wise, between this and the next one, Captain Marvel. Well, yeah. Wait, well, mean, yeah. Do you mean, like, our time-wise? Yes, release, oh, release time-wise. I thought you meant the movie's time-wise. I'm like, well, duh, it takes place in the 90s. Uh, yeah, so July, and then Captain Marvel came out at the beginning of March. Yeah. So it was a solid, like, seven or eight months. Yeah, been a minute. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize also that we end up having to go to this in the middle of, like, tax season. That could be why I was crying so much. Yeah, I don't really remember. I don't think we did not go opening weekend because you you might have. I did. Yes, yeah, so you did. went opening weekend. Yeah. I was waiting for you to come up here. That's right. I was seeing it for the second time. Yes, because I we, forgot about that. Yes, we had our routine where before you lived here, um, especially during tax season, we sort of end up. I would go down there for a weekend. Mm-hmm. For a couple days, yeah. and then bring you back here with me for the and week. You would stay for the week, and then go back. And on I the would train. take you back. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we did. So I waited till you came up here to see Captain Marvel. So I think it was probably like the second weekend. Yeah, I think it was. Which I think we had sort of arranged our visitations around this a little bit. A little, yeah. Which helps because obviously we were nowhere near close to being ready on the opening weekend. Yeah, still needed to watch a couple things, things, I think. Yeah. But we did end up, we figured it out. Yeah. I, I forgot that it was during, I forget, or rather, I didn't for, I forget that it was during tax season. Yeah, I felt like this came out in like May for some reason, which it didn't. That's when Endgame came out because it was after tax season we went up to Syracuse. And stayed right. there as sort of like, it's the end of tax season, woo, party. Because, yes. like, I don't, I, my memory's not great about that time, but, like, I didn't remember 
like having to work around like 12 hour days or anything like that yeah for you at that point it was just yeah. like you came home all right i'm putting marvel on for like yeah. two hours and then we're going to bed and... right it was till early march and usually when you would come up here i would not work that much true so yeah but so uh that's it for ant-man the wasp Thanks. and next, next we will talk about captain, captain marvel. marvel now the most interesting thing about talking about captain marvel is this is the first one that you got to see in theaters yes which was exciting yeah after i had a nervous breakdown in the car on the way to it yes right <laughs> So how did that, was there a different distinction there relative to the rest of the movies? Um, I don't know. I know that I was aware of, like, because we saw it, like, oh, I think the second week it came out. The second weekend it was out. I Mm -hmm. did anyway. Yes. So I had seen everybody talking about the Flurkins. Yes. And how excited they were about them. And because I'm nosy, I can't wait. I did look up what they were, of course. Naturally. (laughs) So then I was extra excited about it mm-hmm. um but it was a little different i guess seeing it in the theater a lot of people yeah still very crowded yeah um plus it was also like in order we watched the whole movie all at once since the thing we'd watched before was kind of like a giant 26 hour mashup of like all the other movies in order mm-hmm. so Parts of them, you basically saw almost all the whole movie all at once, but some of them, too, was, like, intercut in between each other, which sort of made some of the movies run together. Right. So it was interesting seeing this as, like, a standalone thing when I was supposed to, and then having to wait afterward for, like, the next thing to come out. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Was it jarring that... We had spent all this time going from the very chronologically on the timeline, going from like the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe to Infinity War, the very end of it, and then the first movie you get to see in its entirety in a movie theater just jumps back 30 years. Not really. No? I don't think watching watching the other movies in the in chronological order of how they were supposed to take place in actual time... I feel like most of the movies were generally kind of in order anyway. Mostly. So that wasn't super noticeable. Like, Mm -hmm. it didn't... I knew this was supposed to be more of a flashback movie anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, origin story type thing. So that in and of itself wasn't that jarring. I guess the time jump... Didn't. Didn't affect you. No, not particularly. I think more than anything, I think, what affected me, because... From what I gather, you are very fond of Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. I was less fond of it than I thought I would be. But I don't also don't know if... Because in real life, Infinity War, then you had Ant-Man and the Wasp in between. Right. Which we had watched before Infinity War. Because it True. technically took place pretty much bef- at the same time, I guess, mm-hmm. of it. Um, so I think going from Infinity War... Like, literally going, finishing that movie five minutes before we went to see this, I think was a bit of a letdown. I don't know if I would have liked it more if I'd watched it in the natural spacing that was supposed to take place. Maybe. Um, Not only having 
Ant-Man and the Wasp as your pre-Captain Marvel movie. Yes, it's but a bit having, of a palate cleanser. Like seven months having passed between those two right. coming out. Right. Because I, I really liked Infinity War, so I think it would have been hard for anything I like that I watched immediately afterwards mm-hmm. to grasp me quite as much as that did. Right. And you really like Infinity War. I do. I don't like it as much as you do. Right. So it wasn't... Not to not to give away any of my future ratings, but if it was a movie... Or if, if... It is a movie. If Infinity War... <laughs> I don't know how to phrase this. I don't know what I'm Was a movie anyway. separate from, like, the MCU timeline? No, I, I guess just, like... Um, Even if I absolutely loved Infinity War, I think the the real time separation between having seen it, you know, four times when it first came out, five six times when it first came out, to ten months later seeing Captain Marvel wouldn't have like been. Even if I hated Captain Marvel, it wouldn't have been because it was like paled in comparison. Right. It just gave me the time of like, all right, I've had, you know, a lot of time to think <laughs> about Infinity War and the way it affected all the characters and how much I liked and didn't like this part and that part. And what's this person doing? What's this person doing? Okay, we're going back to talk about going to Captain Marvel. What's she been up to? Came out like all about in the 90s. You know, how did this happen? What is, you know, oh, Samuel Jackson's a main character in this movie in the 90s. They're going to de-age him the whole movie. Uh, you know, I had a lot of time to think about those sorts of things, uh, where even if you did kind of have an idea about that kind of stuff from the trailers and stuff, um, you were seeing those things, like, before you'd seen Infinity War, before you'd seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, before you'd seen, you know, the last four or five movies or so right. lead in the lead-up to watching Captain Marvel. And I saw Captain Marvel a week before you did, right. opening night, um... All by my lonesome. Oh, no. In a sold-out theater, but... Right. On my own. Yeah. Plus, I think I was pretty excited for Captain Marvel. You were. I remember you being very excited. Because yes. it coming out was a big part of why you wanted to re- watch all the movies. Right. To get caught up. You also wanted me to watch all the movies so I could get caught up. But I did admit well, that I had heard that they were all very good, and I just had not watched them. Well, I think you really wanted to see Captain Marvel. Yes. And I may have... You... I kind of gave you extra pushes to get you to see all the pre-Marvel pre-movies. Yes, which wasn't very hard because I knew I knew that they were all good generally. Generally, different. Some of them are differently, <laughs> different stages of good, different <laughs> levels of good than the others. But mm-hmm. for the most part, especially the more recent movies, I know people were like, "Oh, they're so good." Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, and my ex really didn't like most movies and he really didn't like movies that were not quote-unquote realistic so we did not watch a lot of comic book superhero movies so i never watched any of these but they're so realistic super realistic the most realistic the most realistic authentic verbatim (laughs) historical historically accurate films i've ever seen and i've seen almost ten thousand movies yes Captain, I feel like Captain America's the experience was much more realistic than 1917. It's really... Yeah, I would think so. Legit. I mean, it's not like... 
1917 is trying to convince us that, like, this guy was able to just jump from one point to the next in, like, the matter of two minutes. He's at the next location. No. They're not that close. We can't walk there in, like, 20 minutes. It's not a thing. No. Nice try, Sam Mendes. Mm -hmm. Super serum, though. Not buying what you're selling. I mean, we have steroids. It's the same thing. (laughs) Basically the same thing. Um, Yeah. So you mentioned the Flurkin. Super excited for the Flurkin. Yes, and I was going to say, too, I had been very excited about Captain Marvel before we Mm -hmm. got sidetracked about the accuracies of the Marvel movies. Yeah. And I kind of had the same experience with Wonder Woman. So you you saw that before we were together. uh, Early stages of dating. Did you? Yes. I don't remember. You didn't see it with me. No, I watched it at Jen's house. Oh, okay. So. Okay. um, Because I don't remember you, like, talking to me about it until... A while had passed since you'd seen it. Yeah, so I didn't see it when it came out. But I know that was another thing. Everybody was like, oh, Wonder Woman. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So I was like, uh, I would probably like this. I should watch it. Seems yeah. pretty cool. I didn't really like it that much. Why? I think it was just like, I don't know if I... Th- it was just overhyped for me. And that was part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Is that it just... Well, I just thought it was kind of boring. Like, I remember halfway through, I had really lost interest. Hmm. I didn't particularly like the end. I really there was it was just very uh, mediocre. It okay. was fine. And so Captain Marvel, I don't know if it was the same type of thing. Like I was very excited about it. Yeah. It had been out for like a week before I actually saw it. So everybody else was had saying good things about it. So I don't know if I was like, yeah. And I had seen all these other movies and I really liked them. So I think I was just like super hype train. <laughs> and I saw it and it was like, well, uh, uh, this was fine. Yeah. 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 Mm. That's a shame. Yeah. That's why a lot of these, I think, I would be interested to, like, Go back re-watch and... them. Right. So, because I, all of we these, can. I've still seen once. I think almost all of them are on Disney+, Plus, which we have. Yes. So. Yeah. After tax season. Yes. I know how much you like to re-watch things that you've seen already, so. Not a ton. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's why we haven't watched any of them again yet. No. No. Um, <laughs> okay. So, uh, you were hyped. You were very excited. Yes. You knew about the Flurkin? Of course, yes. That it's an orange cat? Orange cat! I have one of those! Yeah! Oliver! Oliver! Uh, Did you know anything else going in? The de-aging of Samuel Jackson? I knew Uh, it took place in, like, the 90s. mm -hmm. Because that was another thing, is I had read about the... had a lot of 90s music in it. Which I thought... I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah. So I went back. You I like that? Yeah. Well, I thought I did. <laughs> thought I was oh, going no. to. That was another thing that I was excited about, and I did not like it. Because mm. I had a lot of good songs, like Just a Girl, No Doubt, some Nirvana. Had some TLC, Salt and Pepper in there. Mm-hmm. But it was almost distracting the way they used it. Like, I remember very, like, what is it? Um, Brie Larson yeah, I think is like driving across the San Francisco Bridge somebody is I feel like there's like a scene of her driving mm. across some bridge and like um, like what a man just starts blasting to the point I don't know it sort of took me out of it like they were trying to be like hey remember this song hey remember this song hey remember this song well, to the point that it like I don't feel like they interwove the songs in to the movie that great 
Like we just saw not too long ago, Birds of Prey. And they had a lot of really good fight scenes set to music. Mm-hmm. And it was, I feel like the it was more like choreographed, the fights and stuff. But like the interweaving of that in with the movie, I thought went really well. And almost the same thing with Thor Ragnarok. We were talking about the big, the song in the big fight scene that we couldn't remember the name of. And I still can't remember the name of it. Uh-uh. Even though Brandon told me exactly what it was. <laughs> he listened to this and I can't remember it again. The Immigrant Song. Ah, yes, yes. By Led Zeppelin. Okay, yeah. 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 We knew that. We knew that. Just to leave this part out of the podcast before we post it. No, I'm not going to edit it. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like even that I thought went really well with the scene. Like it, it enhanced it more than anything else. And I really feel like the music they picked for this enhanced anything other than to be like, it's the 90s. Ta-da. I mean, it's going to be the 90s, though. Well, yeah. They're not going to pick 80s songs or... Well, no, it wasn't an issue with the songs songs. themselves. I just felt like the way that they were in the film was more like, hey, there's the song. Hey, there's the song. I don't feel like it went in to the movie how it should have. Almost like Aladdin, that song you really like from Aladdin that really didn't belong in the movie. I think that's... Personally, I feel like that is a... (laughs) Poor comparison, I think. Um, there are a couple... Of, I think... I remember two scenes in Captain Marvel. The first when she's... Um, she breaks out of the crawl ship before she lands on Earth. Mm-hmm. And then the second fight scene towards the end of the movie when she fights all the other Kree people. Okay, yeah, um, I kind of remember that one. Those two more. I remember having fight... Or having, having a song behind them at points. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were a little jarring. They didn't really I don't remember mesh the, very well. I don't remember the songs, but... I don't remember the spaceship landing one that well. But I remember the fight scene. I think it was just a girl. Yeah. And I then, think, yeah. So I, I think there's some... I, I agree to a, to a point that uh, some of the music is a little on the nose. Um, it's not subtle. Yeah. And... Which I don't think it necessarily has to be. It's just the way the way it was was not... Like, I wouldn't call any of the Birds of Prey songs subtle. No, not at all. But, like, I, I feel like it went very well. All the songs that they picked went very well with what was happening on the screen. More so than this. And I think it helps when, in Birds of Prey, you know, your main character is Harley Quinn. And she's over the top. She's boisterous. She's loud. She's blunt. And when the music matches that, it feels... Right. And Captain Marvel is not really like that. No, and she was very super chill, and I think that was part yeah. of it. The songs were all like very loud and like very like in your face, and she's, as a character, is not like that. No. So I, I, I think I didn't have quite as much a problem with the songs that were outside of the fight scenes as you might have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I don't really remember them. They didn't stick out to me in any type of way. But, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Captain Marvel herself. Yes. Brie Larson. Yes. You, I feel like, were very excited. It was Brie Larson specifically. Super excited. I've been watching her for forever. I feel like I've seen every movie she's been in. Uh, there's probably not too far from the truth. I saw 
her kind of breakout movie was Short Term 12, which was, a, I believe, a year or two before Room came out. Yeah, and, I remember hearing about her from Room. Mm-hmm. And, like, Short Term 12, I love one of my favorite movies, and she's amazing in it. And so, like, I saw that. I don't even, I don't remember, like, what drew me to that movie, because it was, like, really tiny and, and small and... At the time, like, these people in it were not big names, um, although, like, a lot of them are Oscar winners now, like Brie Larson, like Rami Malek was in it, um, and even uh, John Gallagher Jr., who I've seen and, and heard him a lot now from Broadway performances and other movies that he's done since then. Uh, but I saw that shortly after it came out, so I was like, I like her a lot, and then Room came out, and I was like she's amazing and then she won an oscar and i was like really excited because i thought she did an incredible job in that uh but after room which i think was 2015 uh she hasn't hadn't really had any big movies since then um i felt like she couldn't find another role that really suited her and as soon as i heard that she was going to be playing captain marvel i got really excited because i thought like she had proven to me like she can command a screen she can she has great acting range she can you know she looks the part she feels like the right person to play this role so i was very excited about brie larson in general um (laughs) had you seen her in anything that you can remember not that i recall no i definitely haven't seen her in either of those things like i said i'd heard of her from the room uh scott pilgrim no that is on my endless list of things to watch that i've seen 21 jump street Free Fire, The Spectacular Now. I think Spectacular Now is also on my list of I think to I watch. think so, too. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Unicorn Store? What is that? Why is that not on my list of things to watch? I don't know. It's on Netflix. came out last year. Well, I guess I need to add that, too. <laughs> um, you know, she was just in Just Mercy. Right, yeah. Um, so... I think the first place I actually saw her on uh, was Community. She's got a small recurring role on Community, okay. uh, which isn't much of anything, but uh, is something. Right. Um, I remember, you know, looking her up at least after I'd seen uh, Twelve Short Term Twelve, and be like, "Oh yeah, that is her from what's it ever." Yeah, we've watched a few episodes of Community, but I don't think we haven't seen I any. I don't, I don't think, think I've gotten we, past the first season. No, I don't think we've gotten to where she shows up. Uh, so I was super excited. Captain Marvel, Brie Larson, seemed seemed perfect from having not seen the movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, Samuel Jackson, mm-hmm. I was a little more concerned about. Uh, I like Fury. Yes. I think we got to see a little bit more of him in Winter Soldier. Then I think we'd seen him in any of the other movies. Yeah, so usually you get him in small doses, not necessarily as like the co-lead or other, right. other main main characters. So that was, I was curious about that to mm-hmm. see him as an actual character, and knowing that this is something a movie that takes place before any of the other times we've seen him. Right. So he presumably wasn't going to be the eye patch wearing, uh, you know, middle finger to authority. <laughs> Uh, I get people to do what I want kind of a person right. at this point. Uh, so that was interesting, too. Like, kind of... I feel like every time we've seen Fury before this, he's he's the one in charge. 
even when he's not the highest person on the command line, yeah. you still feel like he's the one in charge. Yeah. If he says something, you're listening to him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's not going to be the case here. And so that's interesting. I wasn't sure how well Samuel Jackson could pull that off. Mm-hmm. He just like, I see him in a movie yeah. and it's just like. It's hard to be like, oh, he's that character. It's mostly like, hey, it's Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think the de-aging um, really helps. Yeah. You know, making him look younger, it makes him look different. Yeah. He doesn't feel like the same person that we've seen in the Avengers movies before. Right. And he's a little more restrained yeah. in this than he tends to be in a lot of other things. Like yeah. the more modern, like, Snakes on a Plane, like, Pulp Fiction, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson. Like, Samuel L. Jackson basically being Samuel L. Jackson. Right. Dropping his F-bombs and his mother effers and... Yeah. He still has the the sass, like mm-hmm. he usually does, but he's a, he's a lot more chill in this movie. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking. Yeah, I was really impressed. I thought he did a good job of dialing it back, adding us an, adding another layer to Fury. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's I a think, little more lighthearted, I feel like, in this movie. Yes, very so. I think in all the other movies we see him, he's very serious. If anything, he's not really lighthearted so much as snarky <laughs> in most of the other ones, whereas this one, he's a little bit more chipper, mm-hmm. which I think is helped by his friendship with the orange cat. Yeah, I think of, like, the first time he meets Captain Marvel when she's still, like, got her Kree uniform on and everything, and and she's, like, trying to tell him what's going on, and he's like, okay, sure, yeah. Like, outside the blockbuster, like, wherever they are. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And, and, you know, it's, you know, present day Fury is, like, deadly serious, like, oh shit, we got aliens, let's go, like, you're coming with me, we're gonna take care of this, da-da-da, 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 and in this he's just like, What? Whatever. Yeah. You're, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Show me these aliens you speak yeah. of. Found a crazy lady in the small parking lot. Yeah. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Or um, this, there's another scene where Brie Larson and Sam Jackson are breaking into that aircraft carrier location. And they're, like, stuck in a locked room. Mm-hmm. And, like, he spends a good, like, 30 to 40 seconds, like, setting up this, like, fingerprint copying thing with tape and then she just like blasts a hole in the door <laughs> and he just you know I, he just the, his reaction to those sorts of moments is very different in this than I would have expected it to be yeah. you know he's just like you let me do all this work and she's she like I, don't, I forget she gives him a good one liner back and yeah it works yeah and I think their dynamic is a lot of fun yeah the two of them together do a nice job. Yes. Which you can kind of see their bond or their friendship. I think they do a good job of developing that. Mm-hmm. So you can, like, it's believable when, like, at the end of Infinity War, you can see he's, like, has the pager. Yeah. She comes back, like, what is going on? Where is Fury? Yes. I mean, she's he's the only person she's attached to, um, for the most part. Not, not necessarily. Not, not, not fully. But... Uh, of, like, the Avengers characters. He's the only person she has a connection to. Right. Um, so, that that's a big thing. They have to really establish that relationship, and I think they do. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of other characters she connects to, uh, Lashana Lynch mm-hmm. as Maria Rambo. 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 <laughs> uh, is her best friend. Yeah. And... 
I, uh, former partner, sort of, or just co-worker in the Air Force. I think they're both in the Air Force. I don't know if they were sort of, I don't know what you'd call them. I don't know if they mm. did missions together type thing. Yeah. Not really a co-pilot, because they flew separate yeah, planes. Yeah, separate, they're separate planes, but... Sort of. Yeah, kind of like yeah. one of her main people that she worked with, I think, in the Air Force. Her, mm-hmm. her bestie. Yeah. Um... I guess, well, I guess before we really, I guess we kind of need to talk about what happens in the movie. Uh, because that <laughs> really informs the way these characters interact. Uh, so, the movie doesn't even start on Earth. No. Uh, we skip... The movie itself is a flashback movie in the terms of the greater MCU. But the movie inside of it also has multiple flashbacks. Right. That we're handling as well. Uh, so, we start far away from Earth, where... Um, Vers, as she is known, is a member of the Kree Star Force, captained, commanded, commanded by uh, Jude Law. Yep. Uh, featuring uh, Jimon Hounsou, who we've seen before in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. Even though that's many years after this scene, this moment, new movie. Um, Gemma Chan as Minerva, Minerva is also part of that group. And I thought there was another one. One, two, three. Yeah, I feel like there's five of them total, including her. I don't remember the other person. Yeah, they are. I think they're just like less. They're not important. Rune, Tempty, and uh, Algenis Perez Soto apparently are also part of Star Wars. Uh, But they all answer to Lee Pace, who we get to see like Mm -hmm. him spar. Or not Lee Pace, uh, Jude Law. Back to Jude Law. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, <laughs> Jude Law. I didn't realize it was that guy. <laughs> no. Uh, Jude Law spars with uh, Brie Larson. Yes. And this is where the kind of one of the main themes of the movie comes in is, you know, she kind of like loses her control during the fight mm-hmm. and like blasts him yes. across the room. And his whole approach, his whole mantra, his whole like teaching thing is that her emotions are a weakness. Mm -hmm. And I think, I I feel like I've seen this in a lot of movies, specifically like action fighting movies where you gotta control your emotions. Mm -hmm. If you lose your control of your emotions, you will not be as good of a fighter. You get sloppy and make a mistake. Right. And there's truth to that. Right. You know, and I think when we see, the first time I watched this movie and I'm like, all right, I I didn't think a second thought of it. Mm -hmm. I was like, no. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when, you know, if you're on a mission with a team of people, uh, especially if it's covert and, you know, one stray move and it could, you could kill everybody on your team. Right. You know? So, I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, but there's also this underlying, you know, clearly Vers is a little unsettled. We, like, see this, like, nightmare that she has... And, you know, she's struggling with something. Mm-hmm. Something deep-seated. And then she gets to meet Annette Benning. <laughs> uh, so Annette Benning plays the Supreme Intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, she's not... It's a little misleading. The Supreme Intelligence appears to her as Annette Benning. Yes. And it appears to everyone as a different person based on someone you... Something that's, like, important to yeah. you or you respect or mm-hmm. some some such. Right. And who doesn't love Annette Benning? 
Excellent choice. Great choice. <laughs> and so Annette Benning is... Inter- it's interesting because Vers doesn't know why she appears as Annette Benning to her at this point. Yeah. We don't find out until later that she was like her role model as in the Air Force and so on and so forth. She doesn't Because I believe Jude Law's like, well, who who is it? He's very intrigued by like who it looks like to her. Right. He's very like, who is it? Well, who who is that person? And yeah. she's like, I don't know. I think she makes a joke about like, you think it's him. You think it's you, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something to that. You effect. just want it to be you. Yeah. Uh, but you get there's this same there's a similar vibe between her and Annette Benning at first that there was with her and Jude Law. Maybe a touch more sinister with Annette Benning mm-hmm. uh, regarding you know controlling her emotions her powers and uh, we see there's like a thing on her neck that's um, I guess she says gives her her powers at this point yes they have given the Kree have given her this power um, and she just has to control it right I'm interested yeah seems fine yeah. Some, some holes in the story, but okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to see, like, where this goes. What are the... What, what's really yeah. going on? Clearly yes. there's a lot under the surface. Right, yes. Um, and so... The Kree, which are all these people, have always kind of been at odds with the... Scrolls. Yes. Uh, headed by Ben Mendelsohn. As Talos. Do you like Ben Mendelsohn? I think so, yeah. 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 Familiar with Ben Mendelsohn? Uh, kind of, yeah. I think men in this movie specifically. Well, just yeah, in general. Yeah. 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 He was in he was in one of the Star Wars movies. The middle, one of the middle ones. Rogue huh. One. Yeah. yeah. He was in Futures. He was in Spider Man. Yeah. I think he was in an end credit scene. <laughs> um, oh yes, I think. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. I know what he's doing in Spider Man: Far From Home. Now that you mention it, yeah. Yes, that's right. I do. Yes. Um, <laughs> took me a second. Uh, <laughs> I liked him there. Yeah. I did too. I like Ben Mendelsohn a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's a pretty good actor, and he's. I like what I, I like him in this role so much because he's been very typecast as a villain. He's a villain in Rogue One. He's a villain in Ready Player One. And those came out in 2018. Mm-hmm. Or 2016, 2018. And now he's in another big, giant franchise movie, mm-hmm. uh, presumably uh, playing a villain. Yes. He, you know, Kree are the good people, Scrolls are the bad people. He is the head of the bad people, our villain. Ta da! Wrapped up, nice, tidy bow. All done. He's green, he looks different, bad. The That's movie how- is giving us that impression. That is how it works. And so they go off on a mission and they're... You mean Captain Marvel? Yeah, Captain Marvel. Everybody and the Kree's go to fight the scrolls. I think. Yes, they go, to, they go to retrieve one of their agents, yes. I think. Uh, but, and then, kind of an interesting thing. Uh, Verz is tasked with going in on her own to retrieve this person. And uh, turns out it's Talos. He kidnaps her. Dun, dun, dun. And it's a trap. Dun, dun, dun. Lasers everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and she wakes up on uh, the scroll ship. Yeah. Upside down 
in like that force field thing around all of her limbs um, type thing. Yeah. Um, and we see like all the scrolls like doing their computer stuff. And even at this point, I, there's still no reason not to think that these guys are the bad guys mm-hmm. when they're not. Yeah. Uh, and she acts under that assumption. Breaks free, does a little laser stuff of her own, shooting things, Lasers everywhere. Uh, Hurts a lot of people in her escape, for sure. Yeah. And uh, gets gets away. Flies to Earth. Ta-da! We're at Earth now. Yes. She lands in a blockbuster. Lands, yeah. Lands in a blockbuster. the movie takes place when? The 90s. The 90s. Um... Nick Fury finds this crazy lady wandering around in the mall parking lot. Yes. <laughs> and uh, some of the scrolls, or the the surviving scrolls from the ship that she escaped from, uh, also land in the vicinity. Yes. I think there's four or five of them, thereabouts. Yeah, there's a few. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They they take on, they can shape shift. Yes. So that makes important. things a little little challenging. Yeah. Because they don't look like they did before. Mm-hmm. They, They're not green. Nope. They're normal people. Look like humans. Yes. Uh, which is really interesting. There's a lot you can do with that. Yes. And it makes your villain that much more difficult to find. Right. And he can, Anybody could be the villain. Anybody can be the villain. You know, it, it takes on a sort of... Uh, you haven't seen The Thing, I assume. But the idea of The Thing, these guys all trapped in a Alaskan... Antarctic thing, way station, and some organism appears that can take on the form of anything else. And so it takes on the form of them, and they don't know who's who, and they have to figure it out before they're all killed. Mm. It's kind of like that, except now you're in New York City. Or <laughs> I think they're in New York City. Okay. Uh, they jump around a lot of places, but yeah. now you're on Earth. Yep. The, the entirety of Earth. Ta-da. Uh, so a lot they can do with that. They do do a lot with that. Um... You know, one of these early scenes is we see her pursue a couple of these guys um, that I think they, like, attack her while she's at the phone booth. She yeah. goes off chasing after them, mm-hmm. leaves leaves Fury behind. Yeah. He's like, did you just... <laughs> All of a sudden, his whole, like, worldview is challenged. Maybe this lady's not crazy after all. Yeah, maybe there's something to this. Yeah. And is he with Agent Coulson at this point? Yeah, Coulson is there, too. Yeah. They're partners. They're buddies. Uh, the the de-aging effects on Coulson, not quite as good. <laughs> not quite. I mean, I feel like he kind of looks the same all the time. Yeah. They, they gave him a little more hair. Yeah. But it's it's not great. But he's not in a ton of movie. Yeah. Uh, so he he pursues in the car. Coulson's sitting in the passenger seat, uh, who is actually a scroll. Yes. And she chases after one. I think she gets on. This is the subway scene. Or, or the train, not sub. Is it a subway? I think it's a subway. Subway train. I don't know. I it's, don't a, it's a moving vehicle of transportation. As you notice, I don't remember a lot of what is happening. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh. the, the very specifics that you remember. Yes. Yes. <laughs> My remembering is in much more broader strokes than yours are. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. Right. Uh, so. There's a scene in the, we're going to say train. Sure. Where she walks in the train. I love this scene. She's just kind of like, great 
like kind of I don't know she she we haven't really seen her in a, a space with a lot of other people before mm-hmm. and we saw her interact with Fury but Fury's his own guy <laughs> yes uh, but then walking down this tra- the middle of this train with like all these extras around um, she really felt different from them which I I was really impressed by uh, like Brie Larson's kind of physicality of being a Cree. Mm-hmm. And we know that she knows she's got to find a person that just looks out of place. Yeah. Uh, but they're all just normal humans. Yeah. It could be any of them. Yep. Could be that little girl. Could be this old man. Could be that guy standing, sitting. Who knows? Who knows? I forget the tell. Yeah, something is off about something. Oh, I remember. She bumps into the woman getting off of the train. Mm-hmm. And then she sees the woman on the train again. Mm, tricky. Unagi. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and it's great because it's this like 75-year-old woman mm-hmm. who like she looks at and the woman like smiles at her. Yeah. Does she just go up to her and just punch her or something? Well, she like hesitates a second and then she like she figures it out and then she like punches her in the face. <laughs> yeah. and, all, and like everyone else on the train freaks out. Well, yeah, because to them it just looks like this, like, 30-year-old woman punching some 75-year-old woman in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Not okay. No. That's not a good thing to happen on the train. But then the 75-year-old woman starts uh, jumping around, doing acrobatics, kicking, punching. Trying to beat up Brie Larson. Yep. And, uh, of course, Brie Larson easily able to fend off 15 normal humans. And uh, their fight continues, and, like, the guy shifts into different forms throughout the fight, and... Eventually gets away. Yeah. She can't keep up with him. They, like, go up on top of the train. Lots of stuff. It's kind of been a rough commute for those people. I, I imagine. They need those, like, men in black, like, mind eraser shooters. <laughs> Paralyzers. <that>. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine just being on that train, then, like, they just run off and you're just like, what happened? No, I can't. No. That's not good. I have no idea what no. that would feel like. <laughs> not great. Try confusing. Be real, real strange. Yeah. Uh, and, like, imagine just, tw- like, 15, 15 years later when, like, the, Aven- the events of the Avengers happen, and you're like, wait a second. I was the... That's... That- it's I bet that the- lady from the train! Connected! Connected! <laughs> conspiracy! Something. Something. <laughs> um, so, the whole thing going on here is Brie Larson, Captain Marvel, Vers is in her objective capture all the scrolls yep. because she is concerned that if they infiltrate earth take over earth mm-hmm. uh it's just kind of like a base of operations it makes them stronger they can all become everyone on the earth becomes a scroll sort of a thing and yeah bad for Cree. yeah not great. um however in the process she begins to remember stuff about herself. Yeah. And... Starts remembering these kind of, like, getting these weird flashes. She's yeah. like, that seems familiar. Yeah. And so she gets, um... She kind of recovers a piece of her memory uh, that the scrolls had extracted from her because they're, like, sifting through her memories mm-hmm. and they see the Annette Benning character. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's a... She must be here on Earth. And so she's trying to track her down. Mm-hmm. And so she joins up with Fury. Yep. She's like, 
you want to help me solve this stuff, and uh, I need your help to solve this stuff, and we can uh, help each other out. We can, a uh, little quid pro quo. Yeah. Sure. They make a good team. Seems legit. Yeah. Uh, so they go to, like, an old Air Force base, which is with the, the laser guns shooting the locked door thing <laughs> I mentioned before. This is where they meet the Flurkin. Flurkin. Which is uh, formerly Anna Benning's cat. Yes. Yeah. Who had liked, had taken a liking to the, the group, to mm-hmm. Nick and to Carol. Nick and Carol. Yes. Yes. Uh, and it's here that she finds information on herself. Yes. She was an Air Force pilot. Her name was Carol. Yeah. <laughs> As you say. Yes. She was Carol Danvers. Uh-huh. And uh, when she was found many, many years ago, or not many, many, but yeah. years ago. I think it was a... Um, she... I think she disappeared in the 80s. 80... I don't think it was a huge time jump. That's a little bit of one. I think it's six years. Yeah. I think six years, so 89. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was found with just uh, half of a dog tag that said Vers on it. Yeah. Part There's of her, your name. her last name. Yeah. yeah. Um, she finds, this is in this old folder, she finds um, Maria Rambo. Yep. Figures out who that is. Yep. Sort of. some pictures of her and Annette Benning's character and mm-hmm. her character. Yeah. And she starts to remember, remember a little bit more stuff. Yes. And we get... Uh, Flurkin attaching himself to... Yes. There's a flashback of Annette Benning talking to Carol Danvers. And I don't remember what the Flurkin's actual cat name is. Oh, I'm going to figure it out. I remember. Flurkin. I remember seeing it, but I don't remember what it was. Goose. Yes, Goose. Goose the Flurkin. Yes. Because Top Gun. Top Gun. Yeah. Popular at the time, yeah. So Goose, Goose the cat, Annette Benning's cat, kind of comes wandering out. Well, in the flashback, Annette Benning and Carol are talking. Yeah. It's all like lovey-dovey, all up on Carol's like, oh, hey. Mm-hmm. And Annette Benning's like, he doesn't usually really like anybody. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Really like Nick Fury, though. Really loves Nick Fury. <laughs> uh, he loves her. Yeah. Um, He's like, I remember you. Yeah. Human. I remember reading afterward... Uh, a lot of the scenes that involve Goose are predominantly with Nick Fury. Yeah, because isn't Brie Larson allergic Brie to cats? Brie Larson is allergic to cats. <laughs> yes. So it, uh, it's kind of I difficult. I remember reading that too, and yeah. that's partly why Nick Fury got to be, the be in charge of the cat. Yeah. yeah. Cat lover. Which was really funny because I feel like in the movie he acts like he's just all about this cat. Yeah. Like I see Samuel Jackson being like, this cat is awesome. Yes. And having like 15 cats at home. <laughs> <laughs> I can just, he's just like, honorary Avenger, Goose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you just see him, like, you know, they're off doing stuff, and you see him, like, just carrying the cat around, or, like, the cat is yeah. on his lap, or the cat is sitting next to him. He just has the cat with him the whole rest of the movie. Yes. Absolutely. That was probably my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> Shockingly <laughs> enough. Um, so, uh, um, find Maria, but S.H.I.E.L.D. shows up. Mm-hmm. They gotta escape S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. Uh, where we see Coulson again. Yep. They run into Coulson, and Coulson uh, covers for them. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a line that Fury says to him earlier about, uh, you know, you got to be able to determine, like, you got to be able to judge somebody, like, looking at them or something to that mm-hmm. effect. And he pauses, he, like, has his gun out, pauses looking at Fury, and then he's like, 
I don't see them. They're not down here. It's yeah. a good judge of character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, however, unreported uh, fact, Talos, Ben Mendelsohn, has mm-hmm. assumed the identity of Fury's boss <laughs> yes. at this point. And uh, is pushing the agenda of tracking down Brie Larson. Right. Like, this is an alien, we must trap her, capture her. Yes. Or she's just crazy, either way. Either there's some crazy lady who thinks there's aliens, or maybe there's an alien. And uh, we need her either way. Bring yeah. her, bring her. So, we have a lot of a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. And so, they uh, decide to run away. <laughs> they take Goose, get in a airplane, fighter jet thing and fly to where Maria Rambo lives. Yeah, because I think they try to go find her to try and figure out more specifically like what happened. Right. So the sort of gotta find all the scrolls, put it on the back burner, figure out who I am. Yeah. Clearly I had something to do with this world. I have gotten sidetracked. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) A little little off course. Yeah. Uh, But Maria Rambo, nice house. Yeah. Nice property. Yeah. Like, it's pretty legit. that Air Force money, man. <laughs> uh, whatever. She she made, she's, yeah. she's doing real well for herself. Yeah. Got a nice house, like kind of nice country house. Kind of lives. Like, know. single mother mm-hmm. in her like mid-30s in, I want to say, Georgia? Yeah. I don't remember exactly. Um, single black mother. Mm-hmm. In her in her mid thirties, in the mid nineties, right? And like, oh my gosh, I like I can only dream of owning a place like she owns, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It reminds me a little bit of um, Hawkeye's house, kind of. Yeah, when we, very when similar. When we see like his, his him at his house, it's mm-hmm. kind of similar, like kind of off, a little off in the country, a little bit. Yep. Nice big like country house. She's got like giant house, work shed, uh, another like spare house for people. Where they, like, go with Talos later on. Where they do the computer thing. Oh, yeah. That's, I think, separate from the main house. Yeah, I think she has, like, a garage. It almost seems like she works on cars. Yeah. It's like... Um, yeah. So, yeah. Real nice. They show up. And it's uh, it's pretty jarring. Yeah. Like, oh, my friend I thought was dead. Uh, hey. Hey. Hey, here I am. I don't oh. know exactly. I don't remember exactly who you are, but I know I know you. Yeah. Can you tell me who you are? And Yeah explain our relationship and um maria's daughter uh whose name is monica mm-hmm. is like oh auntie carol's <laughs> auntie here carol is here and meanwhile maria's like auntie carol is dead <laughs> get out of here what is happening yeah um, and of course, brought Fury with him, with her. Sorry. Because yeah. first of all, you think she's dead, and then it's like, well, if she's not dead, then where the heck have you been for six years? Right. Rude. Yes. Uh, and I, I really, one of the things I really like is the relationship between Maria and Carol. And it's really strong, um, and it's not without its issues. Mm-hmm. Like they don't just gloss over the six years. Yeah. They don't gloss over the pain that it caused to, to Maria. They also don't, like, speak through the reunion. Yeah. Which I think 
other Marvel movies might have done yeah. to kind of get to the action. Right. This movie, to its credit, I think, lets these moments breathe. Yeah. There's a I decent chunk of the movie that. that takes place, like, at their house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For good reason. Yeah. And so, you know, they go through and kind of explain who she is and... You know, we did this together, and this is what happened, and then yeah. you disappeared, and we thought you were dead, and yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Supposed to be working on, like, a secret mission, because <laughs> you find out Annette Benning's character is trying to work on this kind of secret something, mm-hmm. and they were testing it, basically, is what happened, and yeah. did a crash. Did a crash. Yeah. Did not go so well. <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, they kind of, they... Mend, mend things, uh, form an uneasy, you know, bond again. Try to kind of rebuild what they once had, yes, as much as possible, and uh, try to move on. Mm-hmm. But, but it's not that easy. No. Um, our good friend Tallow shows up, <laughs> knocks on the front door, or, or rather, they're like her neighbor. Knocks on the front door. Yes. And he's like, I want to see your fighter jet. Or something like that. He has like some really bad excuse <laughs> yeah. as to why he showed up. And, uh... Oh, because didn't... Didn't Captain... Didn't um, Carol and Nick Fury show up in like a fighter jet, basically? Yeah. And I think the neighbor came over and was like, saw this jet land at your house just seeing what was going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So they kind of show up, and he, Carol's, like, immediately suspicious. Yeah. Which is, and Maria's like, calm down, it's just the neighbor. <laughs> yeah. She's like, no, it's not. And they, like, freak out. Talos enters, forces his way in, kind mm-hmm. of. They look out the window and see that one of his other, one of the other scrolls has got Monica. Yeah. And then, so that's kind of a standoff. But there's no weapons, really. He just has the daughter outside, and, like, he's sitting there. And, uh, you know, so... But, like, Carol's so much more powerful than they are. Right. And she doesn't... She's not phased, you know? Like, I think they hurl a lot of insults and, like, not being human. He doesn't understand some of the things that they're saying, I remember. (laughs) Uh, And then Goose shows up. And he's, like, super freaked out by Goose. Yes. He's like, whoa. He's like, that thing is dangerous. Like, why are you just hanging out with it? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, oh, my goodness. Do you even know know what you're doing? Yeah. To which, again, Nick Fury thinks this is hilarious. He's like, you're... you're, He's, like, basically holding out at him, like, you're scared of this cat. You're scared of this cat? It's it's an orange cat. No, he's so cute. He is. Meanwhile, Goose just hangs there, like... He just, like, looks like a cat. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Um, But all of a sudden... Uh, it kind of blows over. Um, they kind of come to an uneasy realization that things are not as they seem. Yes. And Talos is basically, his whole deal is, we don't want to do, hurt you. Like, let me explain what's happening. Yes. And so they go to the other computer and um, we've, we've seen, I think... Two versions of the crash at this point. Mm-hmm. We see or parts of it. We've seen like bits and yeah, pieces. Yeah, we keep seeing we parts really of it. Because um, they're flying, she's flying in at Benning, 
Their ship is pursued uh, and shot down. They crash. Mm-hmm. I think the first time we see it is when she, like, reaches for the blue stuff and it, it just kills her. And period. Mm-hmm. And then the second time, or maybe the first time we see it, it's Talos. Or maybe the second, one of the times we see it, Talos is the one who shows up and kills her. I think one of the other times she, she shows, uh, it just explodes and that's what she kills her. Mm-hmm. Or, like, whatever. Um, and uh, they have a file of the actual recording of the flight, flight mm-hmm. log. And so they download it on their real janky Windows 95, <laughs> and it ends up revealing the truth. Yes. Which is, it wasn't Talos. It was Jan... Sarag? Jan Rog? Jude Law. Jude Law. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> Oh, how the, ta- how the tables have turned. <laughs> and this is another another one of my really uh, scenes I really like in this movie, where she like Carol like freaks out, storms out of the ha- out of the little shack, and which is huge. And um, then she has like this confrontation with Maria, and she has a confrontation with Talos, and like they kind of commiserate over having been deceived, over you know being on the wrong side of the Cree, over. You know, this pain and everything that's gone on and everything, which I really like all those those moments. Yeah, because I think partly you find out that Talos is just trying to, like, basically save his people. They're just trying to get away from the Kree, mm-hmm. because the Kree is trying to get rid of all of them. They're, they're like, we are just trying to go live somewhere. Yeah, it's presented at the beginning of the movie as this, you know, Montague Capulet rivalry that spanned <laughs> millennia, yeah. when it, it really is more along the lines of, an extermination. Yeah. They've just been chasing him around the whole time trying to get rid of them. Yes. Rude. Rude Jude Law. Uh, yeah. Uh, which I think is a really great way to recontextualize this conflict. And, and now this life that Carol knew is just complete BS. Yeah. She's been the bad guy. Yeah. She's kind of. kind of been the bad guy for a while. And now she has to figure out what she's going to do from here. Um, so we end up with her and Maria and Fury and Talos, I believe, mm-hmm. getting back in the fighter jet. They modded it, I think, to some degree to be able to, or no, Talos is like second number two guy, like souped up fighter jet <laughs> so they could go to this invisible, undetectable Thing in the space. I don't think Maria goes. Orbiting. I think she stays home. Does she? I think so. She got her kid. I don't think she's gonna go. Uh, oh, she helps locate it. Yeah. She I don't do think that. she actually goes. Maybe no. right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You are correct. Yeah. Either way, not super important. I guess, uh, kinda. Kinda. Either way. Uh, so they go up to this thing. Mm-hmm. Where they find... Scrolls. Yeah. Oh. This is kind of where they've been living. Yeah. They've been stuck on the ship. Yep. Talos's uh, family mm-hmm. is there. Yes, he has a family. Oh. Mm. Humanizing him. Yes. Um. And uh, they're like they see uh, Carol, and they're like, oh, but she is a good yeah. person. 
Yes. He, he convinces her, like, These are, she's trying to help us. Yes. Things are going to be okay. Yes. Until they aren't. Yes. The Cree show up. The Cree show up. Jude Law. What a dick. Being a dick. <laughs> um, they capture everybody. Mm-hmm. There's, they have this, like, scanner device. Mm-hmm. And they, like, they scan Fury. Who still has Goose with him. And, like, Still Fury's not a threat. Goose. He's, yeah. like, minor, minor threat. Yeah. They scan Goose, mega threat. Yeah. And <laughs> just, like, look at the cat, like... Yeah. Like, what is everybody's issue why with this tabby cat? Everyone is terrified this of this cat. Kind of just chonky, normal-looking orange cat. <laughs> who is... This whole time has just been being Meow. lugged around by Fury. Uh, maybe just every alien race is allergic to cats. That's a possibility. Like, deathly. Could be. Yeah. That'd be that'd be worth worrying about, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> For aliens, major issue, orange cats. Yes. <laughs> Keep it in mind. Uh so they so they're like kidnapping everybody. At the same time, they have captured Carol mm-hmm. and they force her to meet with Annette Benning as the Supreme Intelligence again. Yes. Uh basically under the hope that, um, I don't know, I guess I don't, I'm not fully unsure of why they wanted her to do it, but I guess to kind of like subdue her, sedate her, yeah. convince her that she's them. Yeah, try to reconvince her again, like, yeah. no, no, no. Seems foolish. I, I think, like, I don't know how you get convince her of that without, like, erasing her memories and figuring something yeah. out that, that way. That would have been a better step one. Yeah. Uh, so she's there, she's doing a fight with Annette Benning, mm-hmm. and uh, we get the the montage of her and, like, four iterations of her as a younger child uh, rising when they have fallen. She says, like, I am Carol, blah, blah, yes. blah, and uh, does the real self-empowerment yes. moment for her. Yes, realizes that her emotions are a strength, not a weakness. Yes, realizes that they did not give her the powers. They have been suppressing the powers, rips off the thing from her neck. Yeah. Uh, everything about her life has been a lie. Yeah. In the last six years, at least. Yeah. And uh, she breaks out of the supreme being. She is now X times as many pow- as powerful as she used to be. Yep. And uh, she goes to she goes to war yeah. with all the Krees. She's like, "Where is this motherfucker Jude Law at?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yes. So she's busy fighting the Kree. Yes. The the main ones. Yeah. And the rest of them are still transporting all the other people. Yeah, trying to get... Because there's, like, you know, children and mm-hmm. stuff on this uh, ship of the mm-hmm. scrolls. Yeah. Yeah. So they're trying to protect all of them, because that's the whole issue in the first place, is I think, is this all of them? Is this most of them? I, I think it's just like a... Portion. Like a contingent of them trying to go off to find somewhere to repopulate, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But and yeah, if they uh, if they try not to get everybody killed, yeah. ideally. Talos is pretending to be a Cree. Mm-hmm. He has formed the identity of a Cree. Yes, and how do we find this out? With uh, the Flurkin. Yeah. Likes him. Yes. Because I think at this point, have Traitor. we seen what the Flurkin does? Not yet. I think... I think or no, we do. We do, because at some point, all it, of a like, sudden, the Flurkin 
If he does not like somebody, we it's... all of a sudden see this giant, all of these giant tentacles. He opens his mouth, his little cat mouth. Yeah. Still his little orange tabby cat. Yeah. Opens his mouth, these giant tentacles come out, and he just eats. Humans. Yeah, just Human eats one of the bad thing. guys. Yeah. Just swallows it and retains his normal catness and just sits there like, licks his, licks his, does lips. his little like nom 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 cats yep. do when they're done eating. I think the whole time this happens, Samuel Jackson's holding the cat. Yes. And is just terrified. Horrified. <laughs> yeah. Makes a little more sense now why everybody's scared at this cat. Yes. So, but meanwhile, the cat, who is an alien, a flurkin, a race of aliens, basically, that pose, I guess, posed as this tabby cat. It must pose as tabby cats all the time, because they're specifically scared of the cat. Right. Yeah. So... I mean, maybe it just look like cats. Yeah. So Samuel J- L. Jackson... Ends up in the hallway, faced with a group of the Krees. Yeah, his group of freed people meet up another group that still have Kree. Yeah. So Samuel Jackson's like, all right, holds out Goose. (laughs) Like, just holds him straight at the people. Goose just sits there, kind of purrs, doesn't really do anything. He's like, okay, do do what you did before. Do your thing. Goose Goose being cat's like, I'm not going to do anything. What do you want me to do? Yeah. I don't do tricks. I'm not a dog. <laughs> so, I don't listen to you, human. Yes. So nothing happens, and we later find out that... It's because... It's because Talos was posing as one of the Krees, and our Flurkin friend knew that. Yes. He knows. He's smart. He's like, I'm not going to eat this guy. He's a good one. He's legit. Yep. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's also on board of this ship... The Tesseract yeah. has shown up here. On the ship for some reason. Uh, I think it was involved in the technology used to, like, cloak it and hide it. Yeah. And uh, Thor can eat that. Yeah. Ta-da! If he's not going to eat other people, might as well eat that, I guess. Yep. Uh, so ult- so they're able to get off the ship uh, with Carol defeating everybody. She, gets, she faces down um, Jude Law, but he kind of, like... Because another thing up until this point is that her and Jude Law have sparred, and that was what was happening in the opening scene. She's never been able to beat him. True. So that's the Well, not without her powers. Yeah. Which she's been trying to suppress. Yes. She's never been able to legitimately beat him. Right. But now she can. And so he runs. (laughs) Smart. Yeah. Probably a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. Not Uh, often you see the villain just being like, nope. Nope. I'm out. I'm done. Uh, So he gets out, and uh, we know... Because they tried to deceive him earlier mm-hmm. by making one of the scrolls pretend to be her mm-hmm. and uh, could not answer all the questions that he posed. Yes. Uh, but we saw him at the, before that. He called Lee Pace, who we've seen in Guardians of the Galaxy, as Ronan the Accuser. Mm-hmm. Uh, here he is just... All right, he's still Ronan the Accuser. I don't know if he had the Accuser name at this point. Maybe he... something lower ranked Ronan the Questioner. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Rowan the the Inquisitor. The Inquisitor. And he shows up. Carol's out flying around in space, and uh, he shows up, drops all the bombs, shoots them at Earth, and uh, she is insane and blocks, like, destroys all of them, then goes and, like, flies through his ship, or, like, one of the ships that came with him, and, like, completely de- destroys it. Yeah. And we get to see, like, him and his, like, second-in-command. And he's just like, 
uh, we're leaving. <laughs> That's, uh, we can't take care. We're, we're not yeah. strong enough for this. Yeah. This is your problem now. <laughs> this is above our pay grade. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she ends up landing in, like, the desert, uh, after knocking down Jula's ship. Mm-hmm. And another scene I really like because it, subverts what I was expecting. Okay. Jude Law gets out and Carol like lands and like she's all glowy. She like stares him down, walks toward him a little bit. And he starts like yelling out to her like like, Alright, this is where you gotta do what you've never done before, and that's beat me in a real fight. None of the powers, none of the weapons, just a fight. And she's like No. <laughs> <laughs> just like blasts him. Yeah, nice try, dude. It's great. She, and it's great. Like it, it, it works thematically. Like um, I'm not gonna, you know, be gaslit by you anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna buy what you're selling. You can't convince me anymore that you're doing. You're the right person to be in charge of anything I do or think or right. whatever. I am a strong, independent woman. Yes. F off Jude Law. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, we also have, I think, when they're flying, when everybody else is escaping from the ship, Goose scratches Fury's eye. Uh, yeah, he does something he, he like, doesn't appreciate. He tries to, yeah, he tries to give him like scratches, chin scratches or chin something. Scratches. He's like, "You're so good. Who's a good cutie?" Goose is like, "Heck on you." <laughs> Scratches his eye. Scratches his eye, and that's why Fury has an eye patch. Thanks to our buddy Goose. Cats have no real allies. Yeah, they're kind of dicks. And I assume Flurkins are no different. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, Must be they also take on the characteristics of cats when they are cats. Yes. (laughs) Uh, She doesn't kill Jude Law. She (laughs) She knocks him out, then drags him back to his broken ship. Uh, energizes it with her powers and sends it back flying to uh, to Hala or the Kree are from as a warning. <laughs> he, the whole time he's just like, he looks so like pathetic. It's great. Yeah. He does look really pathetic in the last fight scene. Yeah. Like, stop it. And again, another thing where it's like this guy who prior to that those last few scenes, like Never looked pathetic. He looked very capable mm-hmm. and uh, in charge. And yeah. But as soon as you kind of see through the facade, he's just a just a little boy. Just a lame dude. Just a, just a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of it. They they reunite with Maria with yep. Monica. Um, yeah. They little. You know. Yeah. Everything's good. She gets gets almost like her new uniform, her yep. new outfit. <laughs> Monica plays with the little thing on her wrist and changes her colors. Mm-hmm. And Talos and his wife uh, go off to find their own place. Mm-hmm. Or so we think. And she gives Fury the pager yep. that he'll eventually use in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. They have a nice little bonding moment as they're washing dishes together. Yes, I, that was a cute scene. Yeah, I was I'm like, like wash, nice. doing their chores, washing the dishes. Um, that's kind of it. That's it. We get a post credit scene mm-hmm. of him looking at, looking through Carol's uh, files. 
Yep. And finds out that uh, her call sign was Avenger. Yes. The Avengers. Tada. The, the initiative Avengers was born. Initiative. Because I think it was called the Defenders Initiative. And he, like, is, like, sees that and he's like, hey. <laughs> he seems to have retyped it as computer, yeah. yeah. retypes it in computer. Definitely a better choice. Yep. <clears throat> and then in another post-credit sequence, uh, it's just Fury's desk. Yep. Goose is sitting there, I think, like, washing himself, hanging out. Yeah. Yep. Then he hacks up, uh, looks like he's about to hack up a pretty big hairball, and said he hacks up a slobbery piece of Tesseract. Yes, he does. Yeah, it's kind of gross. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not great. Disgusting. There's so much, like, cats. The only difference is that they contain, like, a bottomless void in their stomachs. Yeah, they're like a bottomless pit with with tentacles tentacles that come come flying out. Yeah. But, I don't know, maybe they can look like anything. I, I wouldn't be surprised if our cat had <sighs> tentacle. She's basically a bottomless pit anyway. She's yeah, just but she grows the... when it when she eats all the food. Yeah. I would I would expect the flurkin to not get fatter, necessarily. Yeah, yeah I don't know. She definitely tries to bite everything. Seems <sighs> legit. Um, one other thing. We can, I, I glanced over it. Uh, the scrolls are, like, sifting through Carol's memories at points. Mm-hmm. They, like, keep replaying this scene that she shares with uh, Annette Benning, which I think was really cool. Like, they keep rewinding it, fast-forwarding, rewinding it, fast-forwarding. I love the visuals of that I thought were really neat. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd see her walk away, and they're like, wait, rewind it. And then, oh, we're playing again. And Carol's, like, experiencing it in her memories, mm-hmm. in her mind. And so, like, she's like, what is happening? <laughs> yes. Uh, I thought that was all really fun. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like the movie. Yes. I think it does a lot of new things that other Marvel movies haven't. Mm-hmm. And the way it approaches its characters and the way it approaches its storytelling. Yeah. Um, I like the backstory. I like that mm-hmm. part of it a lot. The backstory of Carol and the Air Force and like stuff like that. Yeah. And even the backstory of, like, Furry and the eye patch and yeah. the cat. There's, I mean, there's a lot of, like, weight to this movie and the things that it explains that we've kind of just taken for granted mm-hmm. uh, in pri- like previously in the MCU. Um, worth noting, it's the only Marvel movie to date that has been directed by a woman. <gasps> Co-directed by a woman, this one was. Nice. Good. Uh, they also co-wrote it, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. I think it's also the only Marvel movie that was co-written or written by a woman. Nice. Not as sure as that one. Uh, I don't know if those two are attached to direct the sequel or not. There is a sequel in the works. Yeah, because that's one thing I sort of... I'd like to see more of Mm -hmm. the character. Because you sort of see her in this. She's not... She's in Endgame, but for all the build-up there was to, like, this. Like, oh, Captain Marvel. She's She's going to be be real important in Endgame. She is. She is, but, but she's isn't. Right. And I mean, I think it comes with a necessity where these characters that we've seen for like 10 years yeah. and then this one that just shows up the movie before Endgame can't steal the spotlight. Right. But she does play a role and she has her part in that story. Yeah. Like I'd be intrigued to see more of her yeah like what what was she off doing in space in between yeah. when she took off and when 
Fury called her back. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a really good line in Endgame where, like, somebody in the Avengers, like, accuses her, like, where the hell you been? Like, mm-hmm. kind of need your help. And she's like, well, like, there's, like... Yeah. Earth's not the only place in the universe. Yeah. Tens of thousands of other planets in the world, or in the universe, that don't have you guys. Yeah. They just have me. Yep. So, uh... <laughs> suck it. Um, Basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this was the, uh, this is the big one. Mm-hmm. I did like the, I think the end credit scene of this that shows her showing up after the pager. Was that the end credit uh, scene of this? Was it? I thought it was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um... Yes, in a mid-credit scene set in 2018, the activated pager is being monitored by. I think we got Scarlett Johansson, and everybody's like watching it. Yeah, they've sort of put it like shut it in this case, and they keep, they just keep watching it, and they're like, it's still going off. Or I think is this battery dying, or mm-hmm. something's happening, and they're like, eh. and then all of a sudden, no, really, they're I assume in the Avengers like stronghold that we've seen, no explanation. All of a sudden, Carol just comes strolling up behind her, but he's like. Who are you guys? Where's Nick? Where's Nick Fury? Where's Fury? Yeah. Yeah. Which is great, because it, you know, one, we get to see her interact with some of the other Avengers, but it really gives up, gives off, like, how powerful she is. Yeah. She comes in undetected Mm -hmm. by any of their security, sneaks up on Captain America, Black Widow, like, insane, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, is Don Cheadle on the scene? I think he's there. Uh, he might be. Yeah. Hawkeye's not there. No. Maybe he is. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Forget. I don't think he's there. But, yeah. No. Like, I think those three. Yeah. So. Just basically comes barging in like, okay, schmobos, I'm here. <laughs> What's going on? What have you done wrong? <laughs> yes. Um, so. Yeah. 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 The end. The next next one's the big one. Yeah, this leads us directly into Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. How did it work? Because obviously, you know, you would didn't have any chance to really reflect on Infinity War before we saw it. Mm-hmm. But knowing Endgame was right around the corner. Mm-hmm. This good as like a setup, as a lead into that. Yeah, I think so. I was excited by the end credit scene of her showing up and being like, what's going on? Yeah. And seeing the other characters. Mm-hmm. I think that was a good good tie into that. Because really, otherwise, like, you don't really see her interact with any... There's not really a huge connection with her to anything else that, that happened in Infinity War that was going on. Other than you see Fury dr- drop the pager. Right. With her symbol. Yeah. So, and then her coming back and being like... You rang. You yes. Rang. What can I help you with? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this better be good. Yeah. I said only emergencies. <laughs> um, but you gotta figure she's seen the effects. Yeah. She's seen the dusted, or at least knows that people have gone missing. Yeah. So she's in the know. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know if it made me more, I don't know if it really changed my excitedness level for Endgame. Hard to, yeah. I, I imagine. Yes. It was also mid-tax season, so it was hard to get excited about anything. Right. Other than sleeping. So. Yeah. But I do know I was excited for Endgame. That was, like, our big big thing we were doing 
afterwards. That was our big, my big post-tax season festivities. Right. We went to Syracuse. Went up to Syracuse, yeah. Saw it saw twice. It. <laughs> yeah. So we saw it. Saw it in IMAX. Mm-hmm. Thursday. I, I think we came back here and saw it. We decided to see it again, like, the same weekend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because it was... I think we went up, we saw it Thursday night in IMAX in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Stayed there. Friday morning we were doing our FMLing in the hotel lobby. On our laptops where we went back over to the mall. That's right. And then we came back. I think we decided to see it again, like, either... I think Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because then... Might have been Saturday. Because I think I came back... I went back to Pittsburgh that... The next day... Presumptively, yeah. And then I, because I saw it Tuesday in <laughs> yes, I remember Dolby. You were, you were gonna see it again Tuesday. Yeah, I saw down it Tuesday there, in yeah, Dolby. When you went home uh, Tuesday afternoon. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's the big one. The big one. Dun dun dun. Anything else you want to say about Captain Marvel? No, not really. No. I'm good. You? Uh, no, I think talked talked it down. <laughs> Got through all of it. Um, I am as well excited for more from Miss Carol Danvers. Yes. And uh, looking forward to everything to come. Yeah. Should be good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess we're going to end it there. Yeah. Uh, that is part seven. Huh. That was the end of part seven of Marvel Cinematic Universe retrospective with Meg. Thank you. Hey, again no problem thanks for having me on sure <laughs> uh so next part will be just end game yep like we did with infinity war probably even bigger yeah big enough i think it warrants its own movie yeah or its own, if infinity uh, war does end game absolutely does yeah covers even more time more characters we got a lot to do uh so that'll be part eight and then part nine will be spider-man far from home mm-hmm and most likely also include our look into the future yes. of the MCU. Before we get to part 10, <laughs> uh, our review, our ratings. Yes, our individual, individual ratings. ratings, and ratings. Yeah. So uh, I still have to make the Google form, don't I? Yeah. I'll need to do that so you can post it. That would be helpful. Yeah. But if you're not on our Discord, any of the Discord servers, you can... Send me your rankings of the Marvel Cinematic Universe however you want. You can send it on Twitter at Circle of Film. You can send it to me through email, circleoffilm at gmail.com. Yes. Um, Just for some backstory, what we plan on doing is when we discuss our personal rankings, we we're also going to get the general, well, general public. Some general consensus. Yeah, of their consensus yeah. ranks and see how it compares to our individual ranks. Right. What are we wrong about what are we right about i'm not wrong about anything it's more to see what they're all wrong about what do we i guess better would be to say like what do we like a lot more than everybody else what do we dislike a lot more than everybody else Things right like that. rain judgment down upon the people and each other probably yeah that'll be a lot of it that'll be more of it <laughs> um so figure out a way to get that to me i will happily include anybody into the rankings yep um, but other than that, well, we will, you can hear us talk about more Marvel stuff next week. Um, if you'd like to find more episodes of the show, 
head over to iTunes, Stitcher, places where podcasts can be found. You can find me, like I said, on Twitter and email. You can also find me on Letterboxd at Circle of Film. Uh, you can find Meg. Yes, on Twitter at Algoferoz, A-L-G-O-F-E-R-O-Z. Uh, you can find more episodes and everything else about the podcast and things like that at circleoffilm.com. Bunch of stuff over there. Feel free to check it out. If you are so inclined, you can support the show. Like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, tell somebody about it, or listen. It's the best thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Lend your ear. But some people are much, much, much more generous than that. And I thank them profusely uh, because they are patrons. You can subscribe to the Patreon at patreon.com slash circle of film, where for as little as eight cents an episode or one dollar a month, you get early access to all the episodes that are released early. Mostly it's these episodes. Ta-da! Um, not so much this one, but uh, most of the MCU episodes are released at least a day early, sometimes more than that. Um, and uh, cannot, cannot end the episode without thanking Brian. Thanks, baby. So much. Uh, so generous. So kind. So giving. It means so much. Um, and thank the rest of you for listening, if you're still listening at this point. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same adieu. Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.